Welcome to Orpanini. This is Saratoga Beth. We are going to go more deeply into why we're not, what's going on this year if we're not blowing Shifer this absolutely crucial year. The first, the first day is Shabbat. We aren't going to blow Shifer. And the whole, everything is accomplished through blowing Shifer. So what in the world is going to be? On top of all the questions we have, what's going to be with the elections? What's going to be with the year? What's going to be with, with our, the health situation? What's going to be with school? What's going to be with business? What's going to be with families? What's going to be with everything? And what's going to be? if we don't blow Shaker on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, and we are not going to. And the reason we're not going to is because Hashem told us not to. And he's the one who determines what's going to be. So we're, 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 we're tied in a knot, or else we're not tied in a knot. Right? Or else that means that we're completely, everything's very smoothly laid out by Hashem, and we just feel like we're tied in a knot. So what we're going to do is go into Tyra and untie the knot that in this question, and from that we're going to untie the knot of the year and create an incredible, beautiful year. So, the so what it is is, of course, that when Rosh Hashanah comes out on Shabbos, you know there are those halachic reasons why we don't blow Shifer, and we've learned all this in the, this week already, and and yet because um, blowing Shifer is a fundamental, the mitzvah of the day of Rosh Hashanah is blowing Shifer. It's not davening, it's not this, it's not that, it's not eating eating the fish head, it's not having the fish head, it's not dipping in the honey. These are all customs. The mitzvah of the day is to blow shaker. The mitzvah of the day of Yom Kippur is teshuva. The mitzvah of, of, of sukkah is lulav and esrog. But if the mitzvah of the day of Rosh Hashanah is blowing shaker, hmm, so what's going to happen? So then, of course, the question is, what do you accomplish when you do the mitzvah of the day? And, of course, we know that Hashem says, stay before me, Malchus, so that you crown me as king. The mitzvah of the day is to make me a king. To get me, Hashem, to desire to be king. And how do we do it? With the shaifer. And we've learned this this past week. That... Um, the, that's the way they do it with all the kings. When any any of the kings, the non-Jewish kings, would be would be made into king, there were always blowing of trumpets. When the king, at the moment when long live the king, when the king would be anointed as king, or appointed, or uh, inaugurated, right? Inaugurated is the word as king. They would blow these these trumpets. And so. And the question is then, so our trumpet, so to speak, is the shifer. So how are you going to do it if you don't blow the shifer? The blowing of the shifer makes Hashem be king. Of course, what we're going to do is look into the mechanism of how exactly that works. And of course, it says on Rosh Hashanah that there's a way out of this whole thing. When Rosh Hashanah starts on Shabbos, Whatever is accomplished by blowing the shifer, that's what happens on Shabbos anyway. You know, in other words, let's take this example. A person goes to work and they earn a certain amount of money every every week. And what do they do with that? What's the point of money? It's just a bunch of paper. Or there's no more paper. It's just numbers somewhere connected to your bank account. What is, what is the purpose of this money? Money's not a thing in itself. You can get stuff. I need a coat. I need shoes. I need boots. I need a new phone. I need to pay my, I need a roof over my head. I need food. So this money gets me stuff. It gets me all these things that I need. 
So, Lahavdil, what does the Shaifer do? It gets the job done. What's the job done? Hashem has to want to be king this year. What would, if, if he wants to be king this year, then he accepts to do it, to be king this year. Then he creates the world for another year with whole new, brand new possibilities that he never put into the world ever before. With a light that he never put into the world ever before. This is what he does. So, good, sounds good. So it all depends on God, Hashem, wanting to be king and wanting to create the world. So what? Do, so how does he want? He expects us to get him to want. He made it dependent on us. He wants us to get him to want to be king. How do we do it? So the Mithra explains. The only way that you ever want something is if you sense the pleasure in having it. You know, you're walking with your friend on the street and they say, um, I'm going in to get a nice coffee. Do you want a nice coffee? And they're like, I don't really like iced coffee. I don't like the taste of coffee. I don't like cold drinks. I don't like... Or they're saying, I'm going in to get... A, let's do this one. I'm going in to get myself a, a, a wheatgrass juice. Do you want some wheatgrass juice? I'm going to get you one. Okay. Uh, actually, no, thank you. I once tasted it. It tasted really not, it tasted really awful. It, it was not a very pleasurable experience. Thank you very much. I'll wait outside. I'll sit on the bench. Go drink your juice and come on out and we'll continue walking. Why don't I want the wheatgrass juice? Because in order to want that wheatgrass juice, I would need to first, 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 sense the pleasure that I experience in having it. Now, it either could be the pleasure of the taste or the pleasure of the health benefits or the pleasure of how much energy I have later. It's not always the taste. There are different things that give me pleasure, the kind the delight. But the first step in wanting anything is I experience or I picture, I feel the delight of it, of once I will have it, I, I can already picture and feel and sort of taste the delight of, let's say, the wheatgrass juice. As I say, either the taste or the health benefit or the energy level or something. Or just being, feeling like I did the right thing. There are many ways to have delight. Once I sense the delight, the pleasure of it, the time of, then that will create in me a desire to have it. And once I have a desire to have it, then I'll do, hopefully, if I'm emotionally healthy, I'll do what I need to do to get it. Now, that's where the breakdown is often, which separates the healthy people from the unhealthy people, the men from the boys, because then often, okay, many people in America have the pattern that as soon as they want something, that's when they stop themselves and they, on purpose, don't let themselves have it. So, it gets complicated. It gets complicated. So then the sciatica comes to It's complicated. It's complicated. Or else people have a philosophy, you know, I shouldn't always have everything I want, etc. But bringing this all back to, there are three steps in getting something. First, you sense the pleasure in it. And that will create in you a desire, a want to have it. And that hopefully will create in you 
a plan how to get it. So, oh, yeah, I remember I had that wheatgrass juice. I felt I had so much energy that day. Oh, yeah. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, that sounds great. Yes, I want one. And then what do I need to get one to do to get one? Maybe I have to give you my credit card. Maybe I just have to say thank you and you give me a gift. I need to do something to get it. And then I need, once you give it to me, I need to drink it. Not just think, I actually need to drink it. Just a few steps. So these steps are all based on Hashem's step. He does the same thing. First he has to sense the pleasure, the time is in it. Then if he does, he'll want it. And then if he wants it, he'll do it. So we need to get, we want, what do we want? We want him to do, do what? Create the world with all these amazing possibilities this year. What do we have to do for that? We need to get him to want it. What do we need to do for that? We need to get him to sense the time of the pleasure in that. What do we need to do to get him to do that, to sense the pleasure? Blow shifer. When he hears the shifer, he feels that pleasure of 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 the being the king of the world who creates the world. Good. For every year we blow shifer. Shabbos comes along. First day of Rosh Hashanah is Shabbos. We can't blow shifer. He tells us not to. He has our hands tied. We can't blow shifer. So Hashem, how are we going to get you to sense the pleasure in being the king, which will make you want to be the king, which will make you want to create the world, which will make you create the world? What do we do? You have us. You have our hands tied. So Hashem says, no, 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 don't worry. Remember that Shabbos creates in me that pleasure, that time of to be king over the world by itself. Every Shabbos. Every single Shabbos comes, I experience the pleasure, the Tainug, of, of being king of the world. But you don't need to do anything when Rosh Hashanah starts on Shabbos. Shabbos will do the job for you. You guys are off the hook. You can just hang around in show and sing the songs. And Davin, but you don't need to blow Shifer. Shabbos is doing the job for you. You know, it got delegated over to Shabbos. You guys are good. Just Davin away. You don't have to blow Shifer. Sounds perfect. Oh, great. Easy, easy Rosh Hashanah this year. Obviously not, because it leaves us with a, a, a catch-22. The whole point is that it depends on our Avaidah. That Rosh Hashanah and Hashem, besides Rosh Hashanah, Hashem being king over the world and wanting to be king over the world and all of that is intimately tied up with us. He made a decision at the beginning of time or before the beginning of time that he was not going to do this thing alone. That if I'm going to be king over the world and create it every year, I'm not doing this one alone. And maybe... I'm going to put in my little thing there. And, and, he, and maybe he even said, and hey, guys, we're not doing this project through text messaging back and forth. We're either going to talk or nothing. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. That's my little, <laughs> that's my little pet peeve. Like, we're not doing this through constant text messages back and forth. You either talk to me or let's not work together. Little, sorry. That was a little digression over there. So, <laughs> I'm saying, I'm not doing this one by myself. Remember at the beginning before we created the world? Remember, so Hashem, I came to you and I said, hey, guys. Hey, what's doing? Hey, guys, what's up? And they're like, yeah, chilling, chilling. And Hashem said, Hashem sent the angels and the shamas of Sadiqim 
which the Rebbe says means all of us. And he said, and said, hey, should we create a world? And we said, yeah, let's do it. Fully knowing what the world would mean, especially in 2020. As you're going to touch and pay out, we know what we were getting into. And we said, yeah, let's go for it. Hashem said, I'm not doing this one by myself. We're doing it together, and we're not doing it. We said, okay, we're in. Sorry to use such cool lesson. We're in. We're doing it. We're signed up. So Hashem said, so every year, when it's time for me to be king over the world and create the world all over again, a brand new world, I'm not doing this on my own. We're doing it together. You want me to be king? I will do it. You don't want me to be king? I, in theory, I won't do it. I'm not just going to decide every single year that I want to be king and create the world for another year. I'm not doing it. That's my decision for all the reasons, learn Tafresh Samachvav beginning to end for the next year, and probably you would know the reasons. I don't know the reasons. I'm not doing this tradition. We're doing this together or, or nothing. We will do this together or nothing.com. Look it up. So, then it's a little bit funny. Because it's the very, and the first 24 hours of Rosh Hashanah are crucial. And we already spoke about it this week. So, if we're left out of the equation, then the whole agreement doesn't seem applicable anymore. And who's deciding? Hashem is saying, this year don't blow shaker. We're saying, uh, on the first day, we're saying, um, okay, kind of confusing reviewing all of the conditions of this agreement before the world was created, where you said we're doing it together and you don't want to do it without us, and we're going to arouse your desire to be king through the shifer, and you're telling us don't blow shifer. Hmm. You're saying, well, Shabbos, Shabbos does it by itself. Okay, good. You have a new partner. Shabbos. Shem says, no, 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 no. Shabbos is my partner in a certain way, but nothing compared to you, the Jewish people. You are my real partner. I didn't say to Shabbos. Hashem said, I didn't say to Shabbos without you. I don't do it. I mean, I have my own, my own setup with Shabbos, says Hashem. But my real partner is you, the Jewish people. Each Jew. I'm not doing this without you. Okay, Hashem, so why do you tell us not to blow the And then one other little piece. In the base of Migdash, they did blow shaker when Rosh Hashanah came out on Shabbos. Oh. Okay. Because there, there are different levels of tainuk. There are different levels of delight that Hashem experiences. Remember, he feels the delight in being king, so he becomes he decides to become king. The delight comes from hearing shaker. Or the delight comes from just Shabbos creates its own delight. Either way, he feels the delight in being king. The shaker one is higher. And, in the, and there are different levels of delight. So the delight that's created in Hashem, in the base of Migdash, etc., is a, it's a higher level of delight than, than Shabbos. In other words, whichever one does the job, that will do it. In the base of Migdash, you can do better than just having Shabbos create delight in Hashem. The shaper will do something. So, 
Okay, so now we're up to this question. Hashem, you said, I'm not doing this without you, dot com. Look it up on the website. So what's going on? Are you going to do it this year without us or not? The first 24 hours? The crucial 24 hours, you're going to do it without us? So here's the thing. When we don't blow shifer, this is a form of blowing shifer. It's a type. It's part of the abida in the nefesh of a person of blowing shifer. The Kaban of Rosh Hashanah, when it comes out on Shabbos, um, what is really happening? The Avaita of blowing shifer is done in a way. There are two ways to blow shifer. You do or you don't. They're both part of the thing of blowing shifer. After all, we are talking in this whole sikha about blowing shifer. You either do blow shifer, that's one way of blowing shifer, or you don't. That's another way of blowing shifer, so to speak. And so, there is an advantage of the the blowing shifer by not blowing shifer, whatever that would be. Just suspend it in your mind as an out-of-the-box way of understanding reality. I do it by not doing it. You know, everybody knows the famous story about um, a certain rob who would go to the miser in the town, and every everybody would go to the miser in the town and ask him for donations, and he would give them one one um, penny or something, and they would throw it back in his face, and then the, maybe the rob of the town or somebody important went and came into the man's house, the rich man's house, and just sat down, and the rich man said, yes, rabbi, can I help you? And the rabbi just sat there and said, no, I just came to sit. And essentially, what did he, he said, eventually he said, I came, I came to deal with the Indian, the issue of tzedakah, of a donation that we need from you, without asking you. I'm not going to ask you. Everybody else comes and asks you. You give them a penny. They throw it back in your face. You're insulted. Then you, then they leave your house. It's the same pattern. The way they try to get donations from you is by asking and then throwing back the penny in your face. I'm, I'm going to come to you for a donation by coming, and we all know I'm here for a donation, and I'm not going to ask you. It's a different style of arousing in you or, or, or of dealing with a conversation about a donation. It's just a different style. So there's, a, there's one style of shifer, which is blowing the shifer directly. It's another style of shifer, which is not blowing the shifer. And we would just want to keep this energy of the, the yes doing and the not doing as a possibility of frequency that we're not used to yet. And just that's what I'm saying to you. So which one is higher? It's a weekday, it's Rosh Hashanah, you blow shaker like we'll do this Sunday. Or it's Shabbos, there's the mitzvah of shaker, and you blow, you do the shaker mitzvah by not blowing shaker. Which one's higher? Really the Shabbos one. It's higher. Of course, we want to understand the mechanism of it. It's weird. But remember, in this, from this year that we've just been through, we understand that the weirder the better, kind of. Um, and then there's one other one, which is in the base of Migdash, when they actually did blow Rosh Hashanah, blow Shifer on Rosh Hashanah that came out on Sabbath. Only in the base of Migdash. That's the third way. So here we want to understand, 
just go for a, a couple of minutes into what does Shaifer going do, what does Shabbos do, what, is, what do you need done, and what do these two things do? What is the Avaid of Shaifer? Make me become a king over you and want to be a king over you. How with Shaifer? What is accomplished? Like, how does we blow Shaifer? And Hashem wants to be king? That's interesting. No one would have ever believed it. Just go up to, you know, John McPherson on the street in, in London, Ontario. And, you know, Moose Jaw, Manitoba. And tell him that. And he'll kind of look at you perplexed. Strange. You Jewish people have strange ways. It's strange. So what is it? So one of the things about the shaifer, for Hashem, when he hears the shaifer, he feels that pleasure. When we hear the shaifer, we, we, we become obliterated. Formerly called bittel. Right? And that's, of course, why we use an animal, you know, an, an, a, a ram's horn, because there is more of the, the energy of bittel to arouse the level of bittel above. A, a level of bittle that doesn't make sense to us. Why should I nullify myself to Hashem? Uh, I don't know. It's not a rational thing for a Jew. And the blowing, the sound, the tekiah itself is a very animalistic, primal sound. And a, a simple, primal sound, Usa deliba. I think we learned this week, it arouses the heart in such a way that the heart feels there is Hashem right there, just zoom, go right over. This is not something we think through. And this experience of being close to Hashem, this is not something we think through. So this bittle, the shaifer blows, and we cease to exist. We cease to exist. Bittel means not just you nullify yourself like, oh, you realize your Hashem is bigger than you. That's not bittel. That's measuring. Bittel means obliterate. I'm gone. No more me. So who's over here? Blowing the shaker or hearing the shaker. A closeness to Hashem. I, I think, I mean... A, a, a sense of service of Hashem, closeness to Hashem, a relationship with Hashem, an experience of Hashem as he's expressed through the Jew. But in a very different energy from what most of the time I was designed to feel, I am here, I am hungry, I am thirsty, I am tired, I am overwhelmed, I am relaxed, I am peaceful, I feel this, I feel that. Where do you live? What's your social security number? How much do you earn? I, 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 right? I'm supposed to feel myself. Otherwise, it wouldn't give me a social security number to distinguish me from everybody else. That's one energy. I'm supposed to feel myself. And I do these mitzvahs. And when Hashem sends someone to say to me, I'm asking you to do this mitzvah, I can't say, well, I don't exist. There are times when I need to exist. And there are times when I need to be absorbed into Hashem's very presence and the addition that I bring to Hashem 
in that way. Called Gittel. I cease to exist as an independent being from Hashem. And I become much greater. And so that happens for Shaitrabloin. Because the crowning of the king is done through the Bittle of the nation. The vast, we, 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 we nullify ourselves by giving up our will and our nefesh to him. Now that sounds bad, like, oh, do I have to give up all the things that I like? I love sushi. That means no more sushi this year? So we experience on the lower level, on the animal level, we feel like, so who will I be? We feel a lot of, we feel very constricted, very scared. Oh my goodness, I don't want to do that. Who will I be? I need my, I can't drink water without ice in it. No, don't give, please don't serve me warm water. Or wait, I'm going to come to you for Rosh Hashanah. You serve warm water or ice. I need it freezing cold. Somebody once told me, you know, she used to have a guest that like, they had to have ice cubes. They had to prepare in advance freezing cold ice water. Like this guest had to have icy water. So that's part of me. I need, I need this. I need, I need this. And if you take it away from me, I feel very constricted. My creature comfort, my animal comfort, that Hashem is in, you know, like they didn't come from nowhere. I need them. On the other hand, sometimes through the sh- blowing of the shaker, there's a moment in which it's such a relief. Oh my goodness, and you know, I, I don't have to be stuck in all the needs that I have. I can let go and just be absorbed into a bigger, more liberated reality, which is being one with Hashem. And it's so freeing. It's so liberating. It's so fresh. It's so expansive. It's so like, I don't know if I want to go back to thinking about how I'm thirsty and I'm hungry and all that. Ah, oh, what a relief, this pistol. So it's not just that Hashem says, listen, give yourself up to me if you want me to be king. No, that's not the Hashem that we know. He's saying, let's be just, let's merge with each other. Can we stop feeling what we need, each of us, and just merge with each other? Hashem is so desperately desiring just to merge with us. So when that happens to us, this Aramelophos, then Hashem wants to be king. Because, partly because the whole thing is set up that the king can be king, his energy of kingship works when our energy is a certain way. His energy matches our energy in a certain way. Okay. So, and the Yavite of Shabbos is connected with Gittel as well. Doesn't consider it in favor of Mrs. of the Tamachtetic, etc. The Shabbat is Shavit Vanaka Aimidlutnayamalasabitl. Imagine standing in front of the king. And over there you don't do anything except be in the presence of the king. You know, Lahavdil, you know, the at Parliament Hill or in Canada or in England, you know, the remnant of the past when um the the they have the changing of the guards at Buckingham Palace, Lahavdil. And people try to tell jokes. They train these, they train these guards. They're probably very highly trained. You can tell jokes. You can do all kinds of things. And they don't allow themselves to just give into your joke. 
They're there standing frozen. They're standing at attention in the presence of the king, the queen, etc. Very good example to see. When a person stands in the presence of the king, it's not that he's not allowed to scratch his head. He becomes absorbed into the presence of the king. So, scratching his head is not part of the, kind of like, oh, I have an itchy, you know, my ear is itchy. In a sense, when he's totally, fully absorbed in the presence of the king, he feels his ear. You know, the stories of the Mithra Rebbe, who would speak Hasidic, in the middle of the night even. People would come and stand, Hasidim would stand in the town, and they would listen to the Mithra Rebbe saying Hasidic for hours on end. And nobody blinked, and nobody scratches. <coughs> and the professor who was coming through town was on his way to, a doctor, who was on his way to go somewhere to heal someone. And let's say he saw Chaim Yankel, and Chaim Yankel was standing in a certain position. <coughs> Seven hours later, the doctor had finished what he was doing. He was traveling back to Lubavitch. Was it Lubavitch or maybe? I think so. Yadi? Probably Lubavitch. And he saw that the same Chaim Yankel was standing in the same position, hadn't moved in seven seven hours. He was just transfixed looking to the middle of the Chassidus. We're not like that in this generation. But that's an example of he ceased to feel himself and he felt the presence of being absorbed into the middle of his Chassidus. So that's the way it is on Shabbos. Why don't we do a malacha on Shabbos? What malacha? Why don't we do work on Shabbos? What work? We're frozen in space. We're standing at attention. But why don't you answer your phone? What phone? What answer? What ringing? Where? where, where I don't know what he's talking about. I'm standing, standing at attention in the presence of the king. I, I'm not aware of any phone. Or Phone is part of another world. Part of the weekday world. It's not part of this world. Like I'm in a bubble, and I like the bubble. And in this bubble, I'm there with the king. And everything that the king has, which is the expansiveness and the infinity, I'm in there with him. Somebody who's standing at their chuppah, under the chuppah, getting married, is not going to be pulled away from the chuppah if, if somebody comes along and says, Hey, they have a sale at the pizza shop. One slice of pizza plus fries plus a soda, a medium-sized soda, for three fifty. Let's go. No normal person is going to leave their chuppah in the middle of the chuppah if they want to get married to go and take advantage of the sale of the pizza shop. Nobody. If you're normal, because that seriously. Soda and, and, and pizza and fries instead of this? Chupa? I mean, what is You're joking, right? It's a joke. So on Shabbos, when we're standing at attention in the presence of the king, being absorbed into what he is, and he, his, his reality is amazing. And I get a chance on Shabbos to be absorbed into his amazing reality. So somebody's going to say, hey, you want to go get pizza at the pizza shop and it's only three fifty? You're joking, right? You want to drag me into that world? Like, like Lahabdu also, 
once when I heard Mayor Abbasera Elavashalom speaking here, and he was speaking about truth and Hashem, truth and love and the Rebbe and essence and peace and 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 and, and relationship and Hashem and all this stuff. And finally, he asked the question. So somebody raised their hand and asked, oh, what do you think about eating garlic? Or what do you think about eating macrobiotics? Because they remember him from his macrobiotic days. And he said, oh, are you going to make me talk about beans? I don't feel like talking about beans. I'm trying to talk to you about truth and essence. You want me to talk about beans? Oh, come on, please. You want me to go to that much lower world? On Shabbos, we feel like, really? Oh, gosh. You're going to talk to me about my cell phone? Leave me alone, please. I'm in this world that's expansive and infinite with Hashem. But don't drag me into that lower world. So that's the way it is on Shabbos. Attention. We're standing at attention. Because if you're at attention, you get to be in that world. As soon as you start, as soon as you get out of attention, the, somehow the world spits you back out and you're back into the world where you have to worry about if your phone is crackly or it's not and how much is the pizza. Okay, fine. You know, take my credit card. You have to go back into that annoying world. Now, the weekday. This godly light is not shining so strongly. So then you feel yourself. And you feel yourself and you're hungry and you want pizza and do you have the money and does your credit card work and what about your phone and is it crackly? You feel yourself. On Shabbos you feel the king. And you say, boy, that one's so much more delicious. And during the week, that light is not shining so strongly so you feel yourself and all your needs. I'm hungry and you, yeah, get me, please, get me some fries. And get me... Get me a soda. No, no, not a big soda, a small soda. Okay. So, but again, now, going back to Shabbos, Mikdasha Vakaima, Yaktishehu, you're standing in front of the king, and when you're standing in front of the king, again, to be in that space, where you remain in that space, then you can't do a malacha. Um, not in the, not even the smallest one. And the example I'm going to give is the famous story about the man who decided, for whatever reason, he could he had to have um, he had scars all over his face, I think, and he was having very intense plastic surgery or some maybe it was some other kind of surgery, and he could not or would not have um, um, anesthetic, and so he started to sing the gunim, and he felt nothing. When they were when they were doing the surgery, which normally uh, a person needs quite strong anesthetic, and he felt nothing, he was fine. And at some point, he 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 fell out of that space, and he he fell back into a, a space of feeling self. And he thought, I can't believe this. This is really working. This is unbelievable. And as soon as he felt, I can't believe that this is really working. But I'm thinking the good, and I don't need anesthetic he started to feel the pain, excruciating pain. Because he fell out of the world of being in that space where it's not that he wasn't allowed. He fell out of that. It's not simple to stay in that space where you're so unified with, with, with divinity that all you feel is the goodness. Once he started to be self-conscious, he fell out of that space. And over there, when you fall out of that space, you feel yourself and there's pain. So then he had to get back into the space of singing the gunim and forgetting about self, and then he didn't have pain anymore. So 
when we fall out of Shabbos, when we're in Shabbos, when we're standing in front of the king, we can't, you can't scratch your eyebrow, you can't anything. You don't move. You're frozen in space, in that space with the king. Once you choose to become undittledick to the king, you fall out of that space and you go back to the world of pain. So, okay, if that's the case, so then the bittle that comes on Rosh Hashanah from Shabbos is you're standing there, frozen in space, you're completely unified with the king. Great bittle, right? Remember, there's a bittle that's achieved when we blow the shaifer. On Shabbos, you don't even need to hear shaifer. It just happens to you through Shabbos. So every Shabbos is connected to bittel. And we know that, the, the, so what's, the, what's, what's new about the Bittal of Rosh Hashanah? The Bittal of Rosh Hashanah is obviously a different one, maybe a higher one. Through this we achieve Hattarath Anelah, crowning Hashem King, in a much higher way than we do on Shabbos. Shabbos is the, I mean, Shabbos, you still have to really enter Shabbos, but it's, you know, boom. It creates that Bittal in you. Rosh Hashanah is a higher level of this whole thing happening through Shaker. So which one, when we're going to compare them, which one's higher? The Shabbos Bittel or the Rosh Hashanah Shaker Bittel? The Rosh Hashanah Shaker Bittel. Okay, now let's put the two together. Rosh Hashanah comes out on Shabbos. So you have the Shabbos Bittel, but you're not blowing Shaker. So what's happening? And the Bittal of Rosh Hashanah, when it comes out on Shabbos, is on the level of Shabbat Shabbaton. The Shabbos of Shabbos. Kind of like we say about Yom Kippur. As it says in Parshish Kisisei. It's, it's like a Rosh Hashanah coming out on Shabbos is a extra super duper Shabbos. Let's leave a, a bit when, when When Shabbos ends up being Rosh Hashanah as well, that's a super duper Shabbos, so to speak. And so, relative to the Bittal, the regular Bittal of Shabbos, or even the regular Bittal of Rosh Hashanah, you've got a super-duper one. You've got a combination that's something unbelievable. It's obviously higher than the Bittal that comes on Rosh Hashanah, or the Bittal that comes on Shabbos. This one's times, 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 exponential. So, one other thing we want to know because when we're looking into this idea of Bittal, the mile of the Bittal of Rosh Hashanah, when it comes out in Shabbos, re- relative to a plain Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah on, Sab- on Sunday versus Rosh Hashanah on Shabbos. Let's think about the very first Shabbos that happened. The very, very first Shabbos that happened, first day of, you know, beginning of creation. The world was created six days, Friday, Adam Arishan was created. All the things, okay, they did us. He entered Shabbos. He did mess up. So then he entered Shabbos. And whatever he did to mess up did not go into effect until after Shabbos. But this very first Shabbos, you know, Adam Arishan is born, created, and right away, I guess all the food was cooked, so, you know, he didn't have to complain to Chava that she, you know, made it too salty. Right, so... There they were. It's like, hey, great, hi, nice to meet you, you know. Wow, brand new, just been born. 
okay, what time is it? Sarah Shabbat's got to run. Oh, okay. And before they knew it, you know, you're created, and then you start Shabbat. So let's look into that very first Shabbat. So before Shabbat came along, Yom Shishi, the sixth day of my of creation, the made Bracious, before Shabbat comes along, you know, usually, like, let's say the man says, oh, i got all these things to do. Everybody has, you have all these things to do to prepare for Shabbat. Other Mauritian was very busy preparing for Shabbat. What did he have to do? What are you doing? It's a Friday afternoon. Like, i got a lot of stuff to do. Like, talk back, you know? But he, let's, we'll talk after the session. Talk back. i got a lot of stuff to do. Hey, other Mauritian, what do you got to do today? Well, he said, I have to get all the creations to bow down and prostrate themselves to Hashem. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, that's what I have to do. How are you going to do that? Well, so I'm going to go to all the creations. First of all, they're all going to pass in front of me. I'm going to give each one a name by revealing its essence and giving each one a name that is in keeping with its essence. That's one thing. And the other thing, I'm going to say to all the creations, Let us bow down and prostrate ourselves and and nullify ourselves to Hashem who has created us, who is creating us. All right, well, better do it fast because Shabbos is coming. We've got to light the candles soon. Okay, 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 all right, so let's not talk. You know, let's, let's go. This is what Adam Marishan was busy doing at, as soon as he was born. Erev Shabbos, busy day. Did he create this spittle, this nullification in the creation? He did. He went on Mitzrayim. He went on Mitzrayim Friday afternoon. Basically, with whom? All the creations in the world. The birds and the trees and the fish, everybody. He didn't just go to people and put on filling. He, <laughs> what do you do when you go to Manhattan and you put filling on the businessman in, in, in the, the office? You get him to nullify himself to Hashem. Other Mauritians said, hey, yeah, but I'm not just going to office buildings in Manhattan. I'm going to every creation, every bird, every fish, every every giraffe, every everything, every tree, and I'm going to get them all to nullify themselves to Hashem. Wow, you've got a good Messiah Ruth. Good for you, you know. Just write it up after Shabbos on the mymessiah.com. You know, write up some of your experiences. You said, okay, will do, got to go, a lot to do. So this bittle that he achieved, was it the shlemus? Was it a complete bittle in the world? Because there is a little issue here. The bittle that he brought about in the world was for a reason. He said, Hey guys, how do you think you got here? They said, I don't know. They said, Hashem made you. They said, oh, now, wow, nice. Okay. He said, don't you think you should thank him? They said, like, okay. What should we do? Bow down to him. Nullify yourselves to him. Oh, okay. Why should we nullify ourselves to him? Because he created you. You wouldn't be here without him. Right, 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 right. Okay. Because he created us, we really owe him that we nullify ourselves to us to him. Okay. Good. Now that's great. It's an amazing bickle. But why are you nullifying yourself to Hashem? Because he did something for you, so you will do for him. He created you. So therefore you'll nullify yourself to him. That's bickle. Based on a reason. 
And bowing down is the pa'ul, is actually an act of bowing down. I, I have to bow down. I am a tree. I am a giraffe. You know, other Mauritian came to me and said, hey, yo, giraffe, who made you? He said, I don't know. He said, Hashem. He said, oh, right, right, right. What do you think you should do? Bow down, right? Let's bow down. Giraffe said, right, right, right. Okay, sure. I, giraffe, Mr. Giraffe, I, Mr. Giraffe, have made a decision that I will bow down to the king of kings, Melech Machi, and Lachim, who has created me. Great. I will bow down. So we have two strikes against us in terms of the highest level of Bittal. Number one, I have this Bittal to Hashem because he did something for me. Based on a reason. And number two, I have decided to pay him back by bowing down to him. Great. It's a very Adalist type of Bittal. You know, bowing down to Hashem. I am expecting my Bittal. But I still feel that I... Mr. Giraffe, and bowing down to Hashem. So we're saying this is two strikes against this level of Bittal. <laughs> For a Jew, you know, we we look at this, we read the story, and we say sweet, very sweet, really a sweet story. For us, it's a joke. This is a joke. You're like, whoa, you realize what I did? I'm a giraffe, and I bowed, oh, I bowed down to Hashem because he made me. Like, nice, oh, well, really sweet, really sweet, really sweet. If you want to write a book, you know, the day I bow down to God as a giraffe. You know, write a book, New York Times bestseller. For a Jew, this is a joke. It's a joke. We don't bow down to Hashem because of a reason. And when we're bowing down, when we're feeling ourselves, we're like, eh, yuck. This stuff is baby stuff for us. Bow down for a reason. Nullify yourself because of a reason. What, what is this? What are we, kids in kindergarten? And oh, I feel that I'm... Who are you? Ugh. What are you, five years old? That's the way we see it. Because for us, our basic nature is, I don't do it for a reason. And I don't do it feeling I. This is like, ugh, low level you know, low-level kind of stuff. It's like, ooh, okay. Let them, let them write the book, the New York Times bestseller. It's like, what does that have to do with me? Like, great, I'm glad it works for them. This is this, this is not my level. You're a yid. This is not your level. So, but when it comes to the Bittal of Shabbos, relative to the Bittal of Rosh Hashanah, when we have Bittal, when we nullify ourselves to the king, we can't do anything. We're oh, see, the motorcycle is excited. Nullify yourself to the king. That's how it expresses. That's the way it was at the beginning of creation. You know, if you hear it, like, where do we have a motorcycle in the alleyway on Crown Street? You know, like who's sitting with a motorcycle, ready to express its bittal to Hashem? So, when you have bittal to Hashem, the bittal of Shabbos relative to the bittal of Rosh Hashanah. When you have bittal to the king, again, frozen in space means just, if you're in that space of bittal of oneness with the king, you're not doing anything else. There's no, you stepped out of that world of I do stuff. You stepped into a much more 
expansive, more delicious, more freer, more nourishing and nurturing and empowering world. You step into Hashem's world, a totally different world. When and and the only way to be in that world is to be in total bizzle. So it seems harsh, but it's to get into that look, let's face it, you know, to in in the army in Eretisral, in Sahal, to get into the Golani Brigade, uh, you have to be uh, pretty pulled together. Pretty pulled together, and uh, it's, it's an intense work. You have to stay on that level of being pretty pulled together and pretty, you know, it's not, or to be a sharpshooter where you have to sit for four hours straight and just be vigilant of what's going on. You ever see those those guys who are bodyguards for Israeli officials or other officials who come to visit the United States? You know, and you see them standing, you see big Bolvania guys standing beside the speaker, and their eyes are darting back and forth. They are highly trained. They're not thinking, wow, oh, that pastry on the table sure looks good. They can't. They're highly trained to be totally focused. Their eyes are just scanning the crowd. Every single second, scanning the crowd. They're just totally in that space. They're not in the space of, sure, would like to have a pastry. Once they're there, then they're out of, they, they, they're no longer in the job. They're no longer in the protection of the, you know, being bodyguard. They, they step out of the job. As long as we're totally at a tension, we're in that space with the king. And it's a very liberating space. But once I start to feel myself, I fall out of it like the guy in the surgery. So, one other thing, we want to do this in a couple of parts. One other thing, which is, the, we're going to maybe pull it, end off with this. Two levels of Bittle. This is Bittle that we're talking about. That keeps you in that liberated space where you're one with Hashem. The first type of Bittle is that the person nullifies himself and gives over his nefesh. He gives up his nefesh. He gives up his desires to Hashem. So that he comes to the point where his entire existence is nothing other than being a servant of the king. Like the servant, that his whole Matthias, his whole existence, is the existence of his master. And yet, since the Avaida, the, the job of Bittal, is done through the servant, he still feels a little bit that he, the servant, is working to nullify himself to the king, working to be the servant of the king. He still a little bit feels himself. That he is working to do, become this and stay in this space. There's a higher level. Person stands in front of the king and he doesn't feel himself anymore. To such an extent that he can't say, I am nullified to the king. He doesn't know who I is. All he feels is king. All he experiences is the king. All he experiences, there is nothing other than the king. That's a true, that's a full nullification, a full business. He doesn't remember, you know, how did you feel when you were standing in the king? How did, how did who feel when they were standing in the How did you feel? What? How did you feel? How did, who's I? What are you, what are you, you're talking about the king? No. He doesn't know what you're talking about. In those seconds, all he experiences is there's only one reality, the king. Aren't you serving the king? Me? Who's me? What do you, 
I don't know. He only experiences king. The first level, he experiences that he's nullifying himself to the king. The second level, he doesn't know who is this I who's nullifying. He doesn't, doesn't experience nullifying. He's just, there's king. The king is there. And so, and the same thing with Mysterious Nefesh. There's Mysterious Nefesh. There's, you know, self, uh, self-sacrifice, Mysterious Nefesh, in a way that you understand that you need to have Mysterious Nefesh for Hashem. And you feel that you are having Mysterious Nefesh, you are having self-sacrifice for Hashem. I am having self-sacrifice for Hashem. Normally I would want to do this, but for Hashem I will do that. Beautiful. It's not the highest level. There's a higher level. You don't need to call it mysterious nefesh, self-sacrifice. Because there's no, there's no self to sacrifice. You don't experience a self that you have to sacrifice. All you experience is Hashem. There's no, the first one you feel, I have to sacrifice myself to Hashem. The second one is, all I feel is Hashem. They say, well, don't you have to sacrifice yourself? They say, self? What is self? What? You don't feel the sacrificing of self. You don't feel self. So there's no sacrifice. And so the truth is that the bitle and the serious nefesh and self-sacrifice, in truth, is even higher than the level of Yechida. Five levels of the Neshama. Nefesh, Ruf, Neshama, Chai, and Yechida. This bitle and the serious nefesh is higher than the highest level of the, of the soul. Because the bitle and the serious nefesh of Yechida is it's emphasized in the word Yechida. Yechida means oneness, unity. Yechida liyechetcha, my unit, my oneness to your oneness, Hashem. Meaning we're one. We don't feel separate from each other. We don't feel ourselves. We feel each other. We feel, we feel us. The pu'ula, the activity of liyechetcha, I become one with your oneness. This act of I become one with your oneness, Hashem, is still I feel like I am becoming one. My oneness is becoming one with your oneness, Hashem. That's a lower level. Higher than that is not the Yechidah Shebenefesh. Yechidah Shebenefesh feels that my oneness, my level of oneness, of unity, becomes one with your unity, Hashem. There's something higher than that. There's the essence, Etzimenefesh. It doesn't have a name. Because the activity of the Yechidah Shebenefesh, the place of oneness, is for me to feel the oneness. But then there's the, the level, which is higher, where I, it doesn't even have a name. It's the Etzim and Um There's nobody and nothing there that needs a name. There's nothing there that needs a name. It's not even Yechidah Yechetcha. There's nothing there. It's just the essence of my neshama is one with Hashem. There's, there's no experience of something there. So it doesn't need a name because the something isn't really a something. Which is interesting, Lahavdo. Remember now that we always say that scientifically, Lahavdo, we always lived with the concept that at the, the smallest piece of matter is the atom. And the atom, all the atoms make up the the molecules, and the molecules make up all of matter. And so if I have a tree in front of me, there are a bunch of molecules there, and they, you know, we used to know that the difference between ice, water, and water vapor, 
you know, boiled water that goes up in the air is that in, in, in ice, the molecules are moving just a little bit and they're very tight together. When you melt it down and you make it into water, the molecules are moving much more, moving a lot around a lot, back and forth towards each other and away from each other, and there's a lot more space in between them. And then when you boil the water in its water vapor, there's a lot more space between the molecules and they're moving around a lot. There's you know, a lot of space between them, moving back and forth. That's the old model, the Newtonian model. There was always something there. And then all of your, this tree, it's just, it's, it's molecules moving, if it's a solid tree, it's molecules moving pretty slowly. So it looks like a solid tree. Or let's say if I have an ice cube, it's molecules moving pretty slowly. Turns out that the smallest, so you, what is the molecule made out of? Neutron, uh, sorry, sorry, um, atoms. And what's the atom made out of? Proton and neutron and, um, et cetera, an electron, all these things. Turns out that none of that stuff really exists. There's no thing. The electron is not a real thing. It's not a particle. The neutron is not a thing. It's not a particle. The proton is not a thing. It's not a particle. So the smallest part of matter of this tree is just a probability of energy, of movement, plus, plus, all much more complex stuff than I understand. So much for having degrees in biology. <laughs> it helps like a titan, titan bond. But that's it. So there's no real matter over there. Of course, in my day, we learned that there were things. So everything we learned was sort of antiquated. But there are no real things. The basis, the very smallest particle of matter is not really a thing. It's basically just energy, movement, probabilities, probabilities. So there's no thing. At the very base, basic level of all of the world, there's no thing. And Lahavdol, this is a physical expression of the fact that at the very most basic level of our relationship with Hashem, there's no thing. I'm not there. It's all Hashem. Amod Novade. And he scoops me up if I'm, in, if I'm ready and willing. He, he says, come on along with me. And he scoops me up into his reality where there's no thing. There's no me and him. And we, we are unified in this very extremely liberating, nourishing, nurturing, yummy, warm, expansive, infinite energy. And he is the only reality. So that's where we're trying to get to under Rosh Hashanah. When we get to that, guys, like, then I want to be king over the world that, the world that doesn't really exist, like, I'm going to create it for another year, that this world, I'm going to create another one of these worlds that doesn't exist. And by the way, this year, when Hashem is going to create the world for another year, because we're going to ask Him to, and create in Him the desire to do it, it's going to be a world, if we had a world before that wasn't things, it was unsubstantial because science is moving in that direction. Science is expressing the fact that it was always like that, but it's becoming more like that. It's not only, sorry, other reasons too, which maybe I'll say in the other, the next recording, we're coming to the point where the SMNFish is coming more to the surface. So the idea of non-existence becomes from back burner to front burner. So it used to be, I exist and it exists and it is there and you were there and I am there and we are doing it. 
And that was front burner. And back burner was, I'm not really there. It's Einod Novadeh, it's only Hashem. They switched. Einod Novadeh, it's all Hashem, has moved to the front burner. It's moving faster than lightning to the front burner more and more and more. And, uh, and we exist independently, is moving to the back burner. And that's why all of the advances to express that in science, because it's becoming more and more the reality, the focus, as we move forward at lightning speed or whatever speed into your Mitzvah Mashiach. So that's why this year, and we're going we're gonna to end up here and do another recording after that, this year when we look, look forward from Tafshin Pei, which is the craziest year ever, to Tafshin Pei Aleph, which will be, please God, an amazing year. We are looking forward to a year in which the things and the existence and the rules and all that, if, it, if we feel like it was falling apart last year, just, you ain't seen nothing yet. This will be a year moving into non-existence of existence, non-matter of matter, you know, non-tangibility, intangibility of what we used to think was tangible, even more than before. And the reality that we thought was reality will become less reality. This is simply from a technological point of view. So if we're, if we're living in tune with, we keep our heads in the circles of the Maimar, we're living in tune with, hey, there's only one real reality, it will come to us much more smoothly and we'll feel relief and joy and power and, and possibility and expansiveness as it happens. And if we're stuck in the old reality, the old way of seeing things, that I exist and it exists and all of that, and, and not that that Hashem is the only reality, it's going to be very painful, God forbid. And we don't want it to be painful. And neither does Hashem. And also, we want to, we have the ability, we, remember, this is a partnership. Hashem said, hey guys, I'm not doing Rosh Hashanah by myself, remember? We're doing this one together. So we're looking forward to a year which will be an amazing year. With our absolute million, us who don't exist, so to speak, being absolute partners in this creation. Imagine, right, that oxymoron. You don't exist, but Hashem's not doing it without you. Go put that into your pipe and smoke it. Go figure that one out. And that one we will hopefully explore in the next segment of this recording. And may we find ourselves, before we do the next recording, in the base of Nidusha Shlishi, with the reality of Enu Bilvada, the Gulamitikashlin immediately now.